ETL Echo presents Mind and Body by Serena. Chapter 2 Slowly the gap around them closed, until the bustling was as bad as before. Drago swiveled on his stool. In the background, Celestina Warbeck now whined a subdued love song, which didn't cover the excited whispers rising around them. While he was pleased beyond reason that Granger had shown her claws to side with him, he dreaded the headlines in the prophet that would follow. Not to mention the well-formulated but chilly words his mother would have for him for making a spectacle of himself. His shoulders drooped further as he observed Granger's deflated form. It's not your fault, you know. Granger's head lifted, but she only snorted softly. I know that, she insisted. She eyed the people around them with disdain. Fucking sensationalists. I know. Draco dragged his thumb down his glass. Big drops of condensation ran down where he connected them with his finger pad. The melting ice kept the cocktail cool, but the sweetness of the drink cloyed at his palate more and more as he took a sip. As seductive as the name of this drink had been, he didn't think he would have another one. Bad weather notwithstanding, there was no beach in sight anyway. It's probably too inane to ask you how you're doing, Hermione said. Draco chuckled and shot her a glance. Your attempts at conversation are better at work, Granger. We don't feel obligated to talk about anything but work-related issues there. Hmm. Have you heard anything from Atkinson yet? I haven't. He will probably need another week, because you added too many difficult words to your report. Granger snickered. You could understand it just fine, couldn't you? Yes, but I haven't been stuck at first-year-level reading comprehension for the last fifty years. Granger laughed even louder. He's just that bad, isn't he? She took a sip from her glass. Do you think it would help us if we lowered the linguistic level? That would just give him too much wiggle room to keep doing things his antiquated ways, and then nobody will ever get convicted of their misdeeds. She sighed. You're right about that. After a short lull in conversation, Draco asked. Anything else on the horizon for us to work on together? Nothing which is decided yet. Yet? He was curious now. They interacted maybe once a week for the newly minted Department of the Persecution and Prevention of Corruption, but he wouldn't mind more. Granger's intellect was refreshing compared to the mind-numbing people he usually had to deal with at the Ministry. So, fill me in with the unofficial prospects, then. Curiosity killed the cat, Granger said but there was a mischievous twinkle in her eye. Maybe I still have a couple of lives left. Then I'd suggest you use them for something more important than a potential project which might not come to pass. My life is delightfully uneventful. I'm quite sure I can spare one. She chuckled and tapped his forearm with her fingers. My boss thinks we're working surprisingly well together as in two intelligent people get stuff done better than her usual miscreants? I suppose. She promised to let me shed some light on the inconsistencies in, she lowered her voice, the Department of Mysteries. 
You mean the vanishing artifacts, which turn up on different continents for sale later? Granger shrugged, her tongue flitting across her lower lip as she quirked one eyebrow. Not her words. Of course not. She knows we'll hit a hornet's nest with a bludger if we start. That will have to be executed well. Granger swatted him playfully on his upper arm. And some undercover work first, which would mean you. I'm ready when you are, he said with a grin. As Granger wriggled on her seat, she accidentally nudged his knee. Draco jumped in surprise, adjusting his position a bit not to impose on her personal space. When her leg touched his once more, he hesitated but then moved again. It was nothing but coincidence, just as their meeting here had nothing to get excited about. Still, he could not help the sensation of the touch running straight up his spine, alighting his nerves on its way. You'll be the first to know when I need you, she said belatedly, an odd undertone in her voice that he couldn't discern. That didn't dissuade his mind to process her words as it saw fit. Promptly, inappropriate images of her being needy appeared in his head. He dispelled them quickly. That wasn't what she was talking about. The pub's lighting was ambient through the venue, but the bar was illuminated to give the bartender light to work, and it shone on the patrons surrounding the counter. He hoped the heat reappearing on his cheeks wasn't too obvious. A soft sigh came from her, and as he looked at her, her face was fire red. Did the alcohol rise to her head like it often did with his? Sorry, she said into her glass. The ice clunked in it, tumbling with the swirls her wrist made. It's okay, Draco said, feeling his eyebrows draw together. It didn't hurt. She made another little sound and stared straight ahead. He had the uncanny feeling he was missing out on something. Had she touched him deliberately? Draco turned the thought back and forth in his mind. Would she mind his touch? And what would be a good way to find out without presenting himself more a fool than he already had done? Draco relaxed his legs, opening them a bit wider. To his dismay, he couldn't reach her like that without being painfully obvious. At the same time, he was fumbling for something to talk about. What would a woman like Granger find interesting? Not gossip about other people, that much was clear. He shuffled closer to the edge of his bar stool, letting his legs fall open wider. Politics were too fraught, as he didn't want to dissolve a discussion into an argument. Despite obtaining a more liberal stance in the years since the war, he assumed she would still call his thinking too conservative. I read this article about magical theory the other day, he said. That was probably as good as any other topic. Her head perked up, and she looked at him with renewed interest. His eye twitched because as much as it seemed to have been an acceptable subject matter to bring up, now he remembered that the article had been rather bad, though that didn't mean they couldn't discuss its faulty reasoning. About different vapors affecting one's affinity to certain types of magic. In the annals of British magical research and furthering, he made sure to elaborate. He had no idea which scientific journals she subscribed to. Oh, good gracious, yes, I've seen that one. What absolute... She paused and reconsidered her choice of words. Pile of nonsense. Draco was delighted that they had found common ground. 
You can call the child by its name, Granger. It was complete bollocks. She chuckled. It was. I can't believe it passed peer review. There was nil based in modern science. She waved her hand dismissively and turned to him. There are no four humors associated with the main branches of magic. And then they go ahead and propose a fifth, a blessed one, to explain the differences between muggles and magical folks. If that doesn't reek of blood supremacy, I don't know what does. The furrow between her brow deepened as she took him in, as if trying to gauge his reaction to her words. And where would those humors run in a human anyway? The vessels in a body have been well identified throughout medical research. Maybe the author read Galen's work, and then ate weird mushrooms for dinner. For a split second, Granger looked startled at his joke. Then she guffawed in response. Draco felt a satisfied grin sneaking up at the corner of his lips. But, in all seriousness, if the writer ever had a look at publications of research done by people from Magical Oxford, or even just St. Mungo's, they would know there's no physical difference between magical folk and muggles. Granger leaned forward to him, curiosity sparking in her eyes. What do you think makes the difference, then? Genes? Those little inheritance pieces... Draco had read about those gene things the few times he had had a look at muggle newspapers, but there had been a lot of terms he was unfamiliar with. She hummed and tucked an errant curl behind her ear. Basically, it's an inherited chemical code for your hair color, height, susceptibility to diseases, and many, many more things. So you think magic is encoded there too? The curl she had tried to tame was about to escape once more. His fingers fidgeted to smooth it back but that would be inappropriate. It seems likely. A while ago, I read a paper on how familiar lines of squibs that left and joined the muggle world were the reason why there are muggle-borns, despite the respective parents showing no magical ability. But extensive research would have to be done to actually prove that. Then muggles will find the reason why someone can cast a spell sooner or later. His eyes were still on the lock of hair, until she looked at him peculiarly and pushed it behind her ear more firmly. Something fluttered in his stomach at the knowledge that she had caught him staring. She took a quick sip, inquisitive eyes on him. Draco hooked his index finger under his collar and relieved the tightness around his neck. Although more and more patrons exited the venue, some throwing curious looks at them, it was still stifling in the pub. That's not how it works, she said, her eyes following his finger. She blinked and looked at his face again. They would need a magical person, or, better yet, several magical persons, for reference. Without that, she opened her hands with her palms upward. There are many, many genetically unidentified differences between people. Even if researchers happened to have DNA from a magic-wielding being, they wouldn't know what to make of the results. Our people should do it, then. I think a lot of wizards and witches still revel in the delusion that they have magic because they are superior. If you reduce that to a string of chemical molecules denoted by simple letters, I don't think they'd be very pleasant about it. Maybe. At her raised eyebrows, he amended. Probably. He opened his legs further, but hers were still not in reach. Just how far away was she? He had to know if her touch would be desirable when repeated as well. It was for science, he told himself. 
and the unexpectedness of feeling more and more attracted to her the longer their discussion went on. So, how would you go about it? If I were to research the origin of magic? His knee finally bumped into the side of her thigh. She jerked a tad and cast him a glance. Had it been the right move? He had never been so forward before. Maybe he'd scared her and she would take her leave. But she had brushed her knee against his earlier. Unless that had been a mere accident? He tried his best not to let his blood crawl up his neck again. Her shoulders relaxed. A new influx of heat rushed to his cheeks when she increased the pressure. This seemed to mean she was all right with his touch. But trepidation had him wondering whether that was something he should have her confirm verbally. He swallowed around the knot in his throat. Was that really the right situation for flirting? They were in the middle of a scientific discussion, a conversation he actually enjoyed very much. Were they even flirting? Or was it just the scientific context that had her intrigued? He gathered his distracted thoughts to reply in a way he hoped was contextual. Yes. What would you do if you had the means to research it to your heart's content? And would that include him? He bit on his tongue to keep that question in. Would she take a sample of him? Would she sample him? Draco was getting exasperated at how eagerly his wayward cock seemed to consider that. It hardly ever reacted so strongly. On top of that, the pub seemed to get warmer and warmer despite the dwindling crowd. Didn't they have cooling charms in place? Draco fumbled with the top button of his shirt, opening it to give himself a little reprieve from the increased heat in the room. Granger bit her lips as she followed his fingers. Then her eyes snapped up. Don't give me ideas, Malfoy. Her voice was low, but he heard her well enough. He wondered if her breath would tickle on his neck if she were only a little closer. Suddenly, he wished the music were louder, so they would be forced to lean into each other to talk. Draco, she corrected, and lifted her glass in a toast. Hermione, he said, and lifted his own in agreement. Using her given name might take a bit of getting used to, but it also felt like he had taken an important step in getting to know her. He mirrored her smile. All right, she finally said. He leaned forward to hear her better, his knee pressing closer to her. A waft of gummy bears drifted to him as she exhaled. Was that from that red cow drink she was having? If he were lucky enough to kiss her, would she taste like them? For a split second she looked distracted, but she seemed to catch herself in an instant. What would I do if money and manpower weren't limitations? I'd hire some people to sequence the genome of several wizarding folk, squibs, and muggles. We'd need to recruit volunteers to get samples, but I don't think that would be a difficulty. Her eyes sparkled as she tapped her lips. She obviously had fun pondering ideas like that. Draco would not mind her having totally different ideas either. He would volunteer as a specimen if she wanted, although he doubted that would entail bare skin and explorative hands. He was at half-mast now, and they both were still very much clothed. Inside, he shook his head at himself. He had known before tonight that she was an attractive woman with brains, so why was he getting all excited now, and not back at Hogwarts? Of course, Draco knew why. But that was in the past, 
and he wouldn't go there again. Never again. He wiped his clammy hand on his trousers, then took a deep breath, exhaled his unease, and focused again on the witch in front of him. Thank Merlin, Granger, Hermione, had not seemed to notice as she continued. I would put another team on historical research. When was the first time magic was mentioned? The Egyptian Abusir papyri can't be the first ones, and they are so fragmented that it's hard to deduce details. Maybe it would make sense to have a closer look at cave drawings, even go there to examine them with magical eyes. And how was the magic muggle distribution among the general populace before the statute of secrecy? One would expect many more magical folk than today, simply due to statistics. If more muggles and magical people have children, there should be more magical offspring. He nodded. You'll also want studies examining blood before and after spellcasting. Exactly, she exclaimed. Her knees shifted as she turned her whole body to him. Granger gesticulated, excitement all across her face. He moved a bit to make room for her, their point of contact burning into his leg. Should he open another button of his shirt? It was still getting hotter. Her cheeks were a soft pink, but his gaze kept coming back to her lips as she added, Where does the magic part come from? Is it something that originates in your brain, or some other body part? Draco snorted involuntarily, thinking about all the dick jokes wizards like to make. She narrowed her eyes at him. I'm not talking about sexual jokes here. Draco couldn't help the grin gracing his lips. I would never, he said faux innocently. Right. Pursed lips smothering a grin of her own, she placed her foot on the rung around his stool. That way she was almost intimately close. One of her knees slid along his leg, effectively bracing most of his right upper thigh with her other knee almost on his bum. He was glad she wore jeans. A skirt would certainly have been rucked obscenely far up her thigh. Not that he would mind a bit of obscenity, as long as it came from her. His cock got harder, confirming its opinion on the matter. Really? Not what I was thinking about at all, he lied. He knew Granger didn't believe him from the suppressed chuckle that escaped her. Emboldened by it, he added, I'd say something like, broomstick. Right, your broomstick? He made a non-committal noise. Let me show you my magic stick. Draco laughed. Some chaps may try something like that, I guess. Would she be amenable to more than thighs touching? He fiddled with his glass. Two tiny pieces of ice were fighting a fruitless battle against the warming of the drink melting away as he watched. Would hand-on-thigh touching be too daring? Granger pitched her voice deeper in a bad impersonation of a wizard. Let me show you magic, baby. Does that even work? Granger rolled her eyes, presumably at the time she must have heard such dim-witted lines. That expression was swiftly replaced by a grin that showed her teeth gleaming in the light from the bar. Draco remembered with a pang of guilt that he had hexed her to grow rabbit's teeth back in fourth year. Luckily, she didn't seem to have suffered any long-lasting drawbacks from that. Dimples showed when she answered, You wouldn't believe how often women hear nonsense like that. And no, it doesn't work particularly well. It'll only earn you an instant rejection. Not on you, or in general not. He attempted a cheeky grin. 
He wanted to turn and be able to fully lean into her, but then he would risk losing contact. Maybe now was a good time to try the hand-thigh touching. His hand hovered just at the same height as the counter. Should he proceed and move it lower? Place it on his leg? It might just land a little closer to his knee than it would naturally. Closer to where they touched. The tip of his tongue flitted across his upper lip. A thin layer of sweat had formed there, leaving salt on his taste buds. He cast her a surreptitious glance. Her eyebrows wrinkled as she watched his hand, which still hadn't moved. All he did was look like a fool. Draco sighed and gripped his glass instead. He might as well take a deep slug. He surveyed the level of drink. Or just empty. Draco sputtered and almost choked on the dregs of his drink as he felt a touch sliding across his knee. Immediately, Hermione pulled back. Mortification bloomed on her face as she pointedly didn't look at him. Blindly, she patted him on his back instead of leaving her hand where it had felt good. Unexpected, but welcome. Not that he didn't appreciate her help, but he really was all right. He would be even more all right if she had her hand back on his thigh. Draco exhaled in disappointment. Hermione cleared her throat. That tripe doesn't work on me, and I'd say most women would agree. This was more difficult than he had always thought. Purebloods were much easier. There was a full set of rules, which were happily broken by most, except when the burdens of the sole heir of a respected family weighed on one's shoulders. He stared into his nearly empty glass. There must be more rejection than success. How to handle one gracefully, he mumbled. My father will hear about this. Draco's head shot up in shock. Then the absurdity of it all crept up on him, and he belted out a laugh. Oh, Merlin, my father would be the very last one I wanted to talk to about that. Granger's nose scrunched up a little as she chortled. That, I believe, without further proof. But about the other things? She glanced with interest at him from under her lashes. You'd certainly be more suave, wouldn't you? She let her index finger trail the rim of her glass. The last of her ice cubes melted into the liquid, condensation running down the surface to leave a wet ring on the counter. His own glass had passed that stage a long time ago already. He only shrugged, partly because he didn't want to imply otherwise, and partly because he was mesmerized by the hypnotic movement. Would she apply her fingers on someone's body like that, too? Her touch looked gentle, maybe a little teasing. He imagined he would enjoy it if she did that to his nipple. Or maybe she would even treat his glands like that. His cock twitched again, getting more and more interested in further possibilities. When he didn't answer, she lifted her head to scrutinize him. There wasn't any hint of sexual education at Hogwarts, unless you call that short and very matter-of-fact half-hour at Pomfrey's Infirmary where she taught us a contraceptive spell, sex ed. She huffed obviously having other ideals for that. No secret induction to carnal pleasures. No elite summer college of flirting. It's trial and error for you as much as it is for anyone else. More error than anything. What do you mean? You're the Malfoy heir, and not that bad-looking. He perked up, sensing the chance to get around answering her question about carnal pleasures. Pray tell, Granger. Was that a compliment? He hadn't truly meant for her to hear his previous words. 
There was no need to rub his inexperience into the one woman's face who he more and more imagined to be the solution to his lack of experience. Nice try, Malfoy. Don't deflect. What did you mean? More error than anything. He should have known that she would turn into a bloodhound when she wanted to know something. Her reputation for the single-minded gathering of knowledge had been the source of many jokes during their school time, and of much envy, not that anyone would have admitted to that. Draco shrugged nonchalantly. Some have to try harder than others, or so I've been told. Sounds more like first-hand knowledge. Her eyes dropped low, first on his right hand, then on his crotch. He barely kept himself from squirming. It should be too dark in the shadow of the counter for her to see his interest, and he should be embarrassed that she might see and know that she had this effect on him. But he was also a little thrilled. He wasn't overly familiar with the scope his body welcomed her perusal, but he knew one did not go and openly sport an erection while having a conversation with a woman. He'd have to try and steer the conversation into safer waters. He didn't want to come across like a bloody virgin. Well, as for that... Oh no, not me, he assured her, before he could think of anything smarter. One of her eyebrows lifted. Or maybe you're not half as suave as you want everyone to think. She placed her elbow on the counter and propped her chin on her palm. There were boys at Hogwarts. There were girls at Hogwarts, too, he deadpanned. With a certain reputation. Ditto, he threw in. You were never mentioned in those conversations. Her eyes bored into his, but they shone as if something was intriguing her. For the longest time, I thought it was because you were a pureblood and wouldn't deign to get handsy with someone you'd consider below your status. At his emerging protest, she waved him off. But there was lots of talk about Sabini, and he's just as much an idiot as you. Hey. She shrugged. Was an idiot? I haven't seen him since Hogwarts. Not to mention that I honestly don't care either way. He pretty much vanished, Draco said. Not that I care much myself. I did realize at one point that blood supremacy is... He searched for a good euphemism. Not too euphemistic, but also not too harsh a word to sully the cordiality they had become to share. He settled for... Not optimal... Granger looked at him incredulously. He held his hands up, cringing at himself. She wouldn't hex an unarmed wizard, would she? A pile of crap? More fitting. She pressed out and moved her bum back on the stool, twisting and crossing her legs so she wasn't touching him anymore. The loss of contact left him bereft. I know. He shuddered at the memories. For all it's worth, I'm glad Voldemort has gone for good. A stretch of silence passed. He glanced at Hermione, but she was busy staring into her glass. Sorry for bringing that up. I know we usually don't talk about it. It never seemed appropriate at work. But I hope you don't think I still follow those beliefs. More silence met him. Draco saw her jaw muscles working, eyes locked on her empty glass while her curls swayed softly as she shook her head. As the quiet between them dragged on, it became increasingly obvious that he had completely bollocksed that up.
There was no way that he'd be able to salvage the evening after that reaction. Maybe she would talk to him again at work next week, when she had had time to forgive him for his transgression. He could bring her flowers to ease her forgiveness, too. For now, there was nothing to do anymore. Uh, I'd, I'd better go home now. He tapped his glass. Drinks empty. Bedtime coming up and all that. And it doesn't look like you're in the mood to talk to me anymore, so I'm not even going to suggest it, he added to himself. She looked up sharply, then she uttered a devastatingly neutral, Sure. See you around, Malfoy. Any last hope in Draco withered and died at her words. If he had been honest with himself from the beginning, he would have acknowledged that he wanted to talk to her longer, maybe even spend some time with her outside of work, away from the pub and its crowdedness, in a nice restaurant for dinner, or a more intimate setting. That would have given him the opportunity to present himself in a much better light. But of course he had to mess that up, like so many other things he had messed up. He grabbed his cloak from under the counter and slid from the barstool. You too, Hermione, he said. She only flashed her teeth at him, but the fake smile didn't reach her eyes. And then he was elbowing his way out of the pub. Fresh, chilly air hit his brain like an out-of-control beater as soon as he took the first step outside. It did a good job cooling down the last of his ardor. Compared to the inside of the building, the street was nearly serene. At an hour to midnight, most lights advertising the business buildings were already out, only lampposts left to illuminate the damp cobblestones of the street. At least it had stopped raining. Two people stumbled to the end of the road where the night bus was parked. The other way led to one of the many apparition points scattered across London. Draco felt sober enough to apparate without splinching. For a moment, it had looked as if he would have a pleasant evening with somebody who he would never have expected to share it with. He kicked a pebble to the side of the street with more energy than its size warranted. It didn't do much to alleviate his frustration with himself. In the blink of an eye, the evening had turned sour. Not that he really had expected to take Granger, of all people, home. But she had touched his knee with her knee, repeatedly. That certainly meant something, right? Draco took a deep breath, letting the air prickle in his lungs. It didn't matter now. He would go home, read a little, and then go to bed. Alone, as always. His mom expected him for Sunday lunch anyway, and tomorrow even more so. As perceptive as she was, she always knew when he had a short night. Malfoy! A whisper shout came from behind him. Wait! As he turned around, Granger was jogging toward him. Hope blossomed in his chest. Her hair bounced with every step, as well as her breasts. Not that he was looking. As soon as she stepped from the penumbra into the mellow light from the lamppost, he saw pink on her cheeks. He felt a sense of unmanly giddiness. Did she come after him because she wanted... wanted to... better to play it safe, although he didn't think he managed to keep the eagerness from his voice. Yes. The pink intensified, and she dug in her pocket. Your scarf. She held the piece of angora wool out to him. Oh, that was why she had come after him, because he had forgotten something. He scrambled desperately to hold his disappointment at bay. Ah, thanks. That's very considerate of you.
He stared at her fingers where they proffered him the scarf. She had small hands, and he wondered why he hadn't noticed that earlier. Given the chance, would they reach around his... With a roll of her eyes, she stepped directly in front of him and wrapped the scarf around his neck. Her fingers grazed the edge of his jaw and his neck, and just like that, his cock sprang to life again. If she would only step a little nearer, she would probably feel him straining against the placket of his trousers. He didn't know if he should be mortified or elated at the thought of her finding out just what sort of effect she was having on him. Hermione fidgeted, stuffing the ends of his scarf into the lapels of his jacket. Then she pulled the fabric out again and arranged it differently. He tilted his head back to give her more space, but also because it might encourage her to skim her fingers over his skin again. When she finally did, he barely suppressed a groan. Goosebumps meandered down his spine, a sensation so delicious that it settled deep in his belly immediately. It's just... It's not often that I can talk to someone about magical theory, she said. Me neither, he managed, despite his tense jaw. He was pretty sure she'd vanish if he didn't talk to her, so he had to keep up the flow of words, no matter how difficult it was for his blood to stay in his upper head. Not really a subject that comes up often during tea and scones with my mother. Would Granger be spooked if he settled his palms on her hips? Round and wide, they appeared very settle-worthy to him. Hmm. Her fingers stroked over the finely woven wool of his scarf. Then she took an audible breath and blurted out, Your place or mine? I... Um, he fumbled for words. What did a wizard answer without sounding like the sheer, desperate compliance he wanted to throw at her? He saw her deflating when his brain took too long to come up with something acceptable. She was drawing away from him again. Threatened by annihilating despair, he shot a hand out to lay it on her arm. He couldn't let this chance pass without acting on it. My flat is not as tidy as it should be, he replied with a wry grin. Granger laughed, a little breathless sound as the tension fell off the rigid line of her shoulders. Come, she said, and took his hand as she stepped onto the apparition point. ETL Echo Echoing Tales of Enemies to Lovers